Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Creed 3, the latest in the Creed and Rocky franchises, this time directed by Creed himself, Michael B. Jordan. And uh, it's good. I had a great time watching this movie, and I had a great time talking about it with our guest, Stacy Spikes, the CEO of MoviePass. Uh, it was really awesome experience getting to chat with Stacy, and uh, we talk about the film, of course, getting into puzzle pieces, but we also take some time to talk about Movie Pass after the conversation about Creed 3, so stick around for that. A lot of really interesting insights into uh, the theatrical experience in 2023 and everything going forward and getting that service relaunched. So uh, yeah, we got a great conversation coming up. Before we get to it, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing it together wherever you listen to podcasts and you can of course follow us on social media at piecing pod on both twitter and instagram and join our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show and with that said let's jump into the conversation about creed 3 All right, we are talking Creed 3, and joining me today is Stacy Spike. Stacy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to talk about this one. You know, I I love the Rocky movies. I love the first Creed. I, I felt the second Creed was a little bit of a dip down, and I'm so happy, not unlike Rocky or Creed himself, like he's come back and like, boom, we got this third one, and it was just, I thought felt like a lot of fun. I don't know how you felt about the film yet, but we'll talk about that. But uh, I, I'm very excited to talk about it. And I'm very excited to have you as a guest and to talk a little about MoviePass along the way too, which speaking of which, uh, since it's your first time on the show, why don't you tell my listeners a little about you and what you do? Sure. So I'm the co-founder and original CEO and now back returning CEO of MoviePass. Um, which was the nation's first theatrical subscription service. So anybody who doesn't know what that means, you pay a flat fee and you can go to the movies a certain amount of times a month. And um, we sold the company in 2017. I exited and then the private equity group that bought it kind of famously drove it off the cliff. I uh, <laughs> went into bankruptcy and then it became available and I bought it back last year and we are re-releasing movie pass and kind of doing movie pass a sequel, you know, and, but with a, yeah. with a slightly different, different twist on it. So yeah, bring it back. Absolutely. And I mean, it's one of the number one things and we'll talk more about movie pass and theaters and all that later on after we uh, talk about Creed, but you know, just briefly, like one of the big things about, the theatrical experience, I think, for a lot of people is the cost. And so it, it makes so much sense to, you know, bring back Movie Pass at this moment and, you know, try to get more butts and seats. So uh, I think it's awesome Absolutely. that you're bringing it back. Yeah, especially after the pandemic, you know, uh, when we bought it back, we kind of wanted to see what the stakeholders thought. So we talked to customers and they were like, yes, please. We talked to theaters and the studios. And, you know, everyone was like, yeah, you know, this would really be beneficial to have this back in the marketplace. And so we brought it back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Creed, let's get into it. Let's get yeah. into this movie. Are you a big fan of this series? 
yeah, I've seen everything in the series. So yeah, all, all of it, there's nothing that I've missed. So I'm, I'm up to date. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Like I was saying, like, I, I'm really happy that this one kind of brought things back up as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, Michael B. Jordan, you know, coming into it as a director, I was a little iffy on, you know, is, is he ready to direct? He's obviously a talented actor, but you know, what's going to happen here? And yeah, I mean, he, he showed up and really put together an exciting, uh, worthwhile and fun film. I felt, you know, we'll get into puzzle pieces here in a second, but I'm just wondering, like, for you, when when you saw this film, uh, did you did you get to see it with a crowd or anything like that? Was it a oh, good yeah. experience? Oh, yeah, yeah. For, I saw it Saturday night at um, AMC Times Square. Packed, nice, full packed house. So oh. it was, I went to the I think six o'clock show. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. I un I unfortunately got to see it in uh, in Nashville just as hurricane warnings were starting <laughs> last oh, week, and there was no one there. And then actually the uh, the power the theater lost power as I was exiting the theater, so I luckily oh, I got wow. to see the whole movie. So, uh, but I was the only idiot at the movie theater at the time. <laughs> so, but I'm sure with a packed crowd, it must have been a, a blast. But uh, I still oh, had yeah. fun. <laughs> well, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces and uh, we'll get into, you know, what works and what doesn't work along the way. But what do you have for your first puzzle piece? Something that you thought uh, Creed 3 reminded you of? So the, the, the thing that I found great about Creed 3 is um, Jonathan Major. And oh, yeah, the thing for me about any movie is your villain has to work. If your villain doesn't work, nothing works. And his, okay, the storyline was there, but his transition into kind of the bad guy, um, mm -hmm. he always had that twinkle in the back of his eye, like, you know, uh, you, you got the life that I was supposed to have. And that yeah. uh, it's a very simple driver, but his wording, his looks, his mannerisms, and his dieselness um, as a first puzzle piece really brought back Christopher Nolan's Bane. Um, mm. And he, you know, just the raw, brutal power and the fight between Bane and uh, and Batman, uh, it, it reminded me of that a lot. That was like the first puzzle piece that I, I was, that I, I it, it was akin to. And he, he just, the, the physicality of these roles you know, these actors, you see, they, there's no special effects on these guys' bodies. I mean, they had to put in the work. And yeah. uh, you really get the transformation. And Jonathan's hot right now. He's he's tearing up the screen. He did a great job in, in Ant-Man. Um, and I, I think he just has range and is very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think like three of my five puzzle pieces all have to do with Jonathan Majors. I mean, he really, uh, he really tears up the screen here, and uh, he really brings it. And yeah, I've, I've been following him for a long time. Last Black Man in San Francisco, he was amazing yeah. in, and uh, he's done some really great stuff. And it, this is definitely another major step up. And uh, this movie. As much as I liked it, uh, without him, I don't know that it would have worked quite as well. No. He's just such a presence and just really yeah. brings the whole thing to life. And I think that's a great uh, puzzle piece to kick it off with because, yeah, I mean, I would say almost the same thing for The Dark Knight yeah. Rises. It's like, you know, Nolan's Batman movies are, are very good. You know, everybody loves The Dark Knight, but like... You know, without those villains, they don't yeah. work really. Heath Ledger yeah. in the previous one and then in this and Scarecrow even in the first one. Like... um yeah, the, the villains really kind of bring the movie to life. So I, I think that's a great one uh, to kick it off with. I, you know, obviously you could go any, you know, Rocky movie. You could bring the Rocky yeah. movies into it as a puzzle piece. That's going to hang heavy over this. I thought I'd go with a different boxing movie and go with Scorsese's Raging Bull for my oh, first puzzle yeah. piece. Yeah. You know, again, you, you brought up that twinkle in the eye of Jonathan Majors. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of uh, De Niro in what he's doing here. Yeah. Just this character who is just so unpredictable and you know, you, you just see it in the eyes. They're just not giving you anything of what could be coming next. And he yeah. could be, he could be uh, Michael B. Jordan Creed's uh, best friend. He could be his absolute worst threat. There's just no telling from scene to scene. And this guy is just, you know, a problem 
you yeah. know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and you get that with De Niro and Raging Bull so much, and uh, you know, it's one of my favorite Scorsese films, and really one of one of the best you know boxing or sports films ever, and uh, I I think that really uh almost more so than like the kind of rocky uh setup it, you know it kind of is hearkening back to that of this this boxer who is just just going to be a problem for everybody and you know i feel like also in uh, maybe a smaller way uh adonis is also kind of a problem to his own self he's always yeah. kind of getting in his own way in his yeah. rise to power as a boxer and you know to uh his, his company that he's built and everything like that he's kind of his own worst enemy in a way as well <laughs> and so you know you kind of get a little bit of that in there as well with the creed character absolutely so what do you have next okay so this was this was very interesting uh, again kind of on top of the Jonathan's character, it reminded me of Gladiator in the oh, way nice. Joaquin's character was about cheating to win. And how, mm. if you remember, he, you know, uh, took the, 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 uh, he puts a knife in his, in between his, his rib cage, Russell Crowe's rib cage. Yeah. Um, but he was all about cheating to win. And so, when um jonathan's character you know hits the previous boxer like in the arm and gets some low blows and is all about this kind of prison fighting um he's not he's not beneath he doesn't care i have to win at all cost and i come from a world where cheating is is okay and that's normal if you don't cheat you're going to end up being dead and yeah. and in in a weird way Joaquin's character in Gladiator knows he can't straight win. And right. I think Jonathan's character, there's a part of him that believes maybe I can't, but but we see in the same thing that Joaquin characters had, there's an internal doubt that I need a competitive edge to make this happen. So everything from having the buddy go and break the guy's arm so that he can get into the fight from from the moment out of the gate, I, I felt like that was a very similar thing where I got out. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll cheat to win. And yeah. that's normal for me. And, and uh, that was the parallel that I saw saw there as well. I love that. That is a great puzzle piece. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny, though, like in Gladiator, you hate Joaquin Phoenix's character yeah. so much. But for yeah. some reason, yeah. I didn't find myself hating Jonathan Majors. Like, there's just like, uh, you know, I don't know, just a sadness there that like this guy, you know, lost so much of his life, you know, to, to this small, you know, crime. And like, I don't know, I guess it just leaves him in this place where it's like you almost forgive him and want him to do yeah. well but at the same yeah. time yeah he's he's a bad dude and he's uh you know really cheating his way up and uh yeah no that, that's a that's a great comparison there i love that um i'm gonna go with a movie that maybe is a little too new to actually be an influence here because it's from last year but i i definitely uh wanted to make this comparison and that's michael bay's ambulance which oh, is a movie I had so much fun with. And uh, it stars Yahya Abdul-Mateen and Jake Gyllenhaal. And Jake Gyllenhaal is this like long estranged brother who Yahya knows is like, again, a problem. He's somebody who he should not get back involved with. Um, but his back is kind of against the wall due to all kinds of external circumstances. Yeah. And uh, he lets him in and sure enough, he ends up in this bank heist gone wrong and all kinds of insane Michael Bay action and it's just absolutely a blast um but yeah th this is the same thing with Creed here uh you know he he knew this guy from when he was younger and he knows it's probably a bad idea to to get involved with him but at, at the same time he kind of doesn't have a choice and he mm -hmm. also feels this like kind of uh you know, necessity uh, to kind of be there for him because they grew up together and were such good friends and all that. And plus they had uh, the situations together in, in the group home and all that. And so like, you know, he just, he lets it happen. And sure enough, you know, it goes south from there. But um, yeah, I, I just, Ambulance is uh, such a fun movie and I wanted to bring it into this. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I think the Wood Harris character that's constantly like, dude, don't go down this path. It's going <laughs> to end up bad for us. You know, this guy's not good. And he's, he, I know what you're trying to do. You know, 
Wood's character is that voice of reason. And we all know it's going to go against the grain and, you know, it'll have to, you know, our hero has to save himself by the third act, but he's going to follow the deer off into the forest, even though they're saying, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't follow the deer into the forest because there's a bad dragon out there and he's going to eat you. Um, (laughs) And so a hundred percent, I think that's a really, a really good call. Really good call. Well, what do you got for your next one? All right. So. Sticking with the boxing theme, and I'm going to stick with Russell Crowe, um, Cinderella Man. Mm, and sure. the thing about Cinderella Man that I think was what I, what I really loved was seeing the, the, the sensitivity of the family dynamic and that mm. not just the boxer who's in the ring, their whole family is in the ring. And yeah. if you remember in... Um, when um, there's that beautiful scene where uh, Russell's character goes and he fights the fight, he's got a broken hand, he loses, he doesn't, I mean, he, he he wins, but he doesn't get paid, and because mm. um, the guy's like, it was a horrible fight, I'm not paying you anything, and um, he gets home and he's got that little sliver of meat and he's got the glass of milk and his wife uh, is. Uh, um, was it Renee Zellweger? Renee Zellweger. Yeah, uh, yeah. Puts, you know, the water in the milk and, and he wake, you know, Rosie wakes up and she says, daddy, did you, you know, did you win? Oh, Rosie. Yeah, I won. And, and I had a big steak and you eat and the guy hasn't eaten in two days. And, um, it, it was very similar to watch the sensitivity with his daughter and the wife and that dynamic um, so I really thought that had that that resonated for me with the way Cinderella Man took that sensitivity about how the whole family is in that ring. Everything's riding on it. Uh, your community's riding on it. The people that you you feed, they're all riding on that. Um, and I felt they really brought that in. I didn't think the little girl should be at her daddy's fight, but uh, <laughs> maybe listen listen to it on the radio or watch it on YouTube. But sure. um, but but I, I still love that that they brought that in. That's always been something that Rocky has done. Yeah. Um, but I, that's what I really liked about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you said that at the end there. That's something that Rocky has always done because, yeah, that's been like a a core tenant of these films is just, you know, the emotion in the family is all just as important as the fighting. And but then the fighting has to also be top notch. And yeah, Cinderella, man, uh, I I haven't seen it since the theater, but it was really like affecting like it really worked. And uh yeah, uh, Russell Crowe's awesome, so uh, leave it at that. But um, yeah. I'll, I'll go to my next piece. Uh, you know, bringing it back to Jonathan Majors, another comparison uh, for that character and just the the scariness and the unpredictability of that character. I was thinking of Tupac and Juice. Uh, um, Juice is where like Tupac kind of like first showed off that like you know this guy could be a huge actor, and of course you know we didn't really get that much more out of him but um him as bishop uh as this character is just so menacing and so uh so you know un unreadable like you just don't know what he's capable of at any moment in the film and as he starts threatening his friends and and getting worse and worse in the film uh just keeps getting scarier when you think he's already scary from the get-go it just goes up from there so uh yeah jonathan major's really uh bringing it with this that yeah, that's a that's a good one. I, I you you're taking me back with Pac. It's like that's <laughs> uh yeah, that's definitely a good one. Um, so sticking with Jonathan, and I don't know if you saw this one. It it wasn't a big one out of everything that he's done. But did you get to see Devotion? I didn't. I wanted to from last year. Yeah. So I my next one would be devotion and so Mm -hmm. just to set it up so he plays a korean one of the first uh black jet uh pilots during the korean war and when uh he gets shot down behind enemy lines and um what there's a scene where jonathan's character is he's he's looking at himself in the mirror and he's saying to himself everything that he knows 
the white officers and the enlistment and society in general is saying to him. And it's this really great scene. And so the camera is set up. Uh, so we're, 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 we're the, on the other side of the mirror and it's just dead on. And, you know, he's, you know, got that, you're not shit. You can't do this. You know, and I'm, I'm using polite words that he doesn't sure. use. <laughs> and, um, but the way Jonathan is able to transform himself, like Michael B. Jordan, when he's in different movies, I still see Michael B. Jordan. Mm. When Jonathan Majors does a character, he's never the same person. There's yeah. not a, I'm playing my, I'm playing Tom Cruise in whatever I do, right? It's not. And, and so in Devotion, if, if you haven't seen it, please see it. The acting in it is unbelievable. Uh, but there's a, imagine if his character that is in Creed 3 was the good guy and mm, he's more yeah. polished and he's the family man and he's, he's, you know, he's the other side. And you would keep, you, you'd see that instantly when you get to see devotion, you'll see he's got that range too, that he would be, uh, what Michael B. Jordan's character is. He could have been that person instantly rather than, okay, this guy can only just play bad guys. Right. So he has that range. And, um, that was, that was my third pick. Okay. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I haven't seen it and I really want to, um, yeah, I, again, he is just, he's fantastic. He's been great in everything I've seen him in so far, and uh, I'm sure that that's going to be no different. So I'm looking forward to it for sure. Um, I'm going to go with one that might feel a little out of left field, but um, this film kicks off with uh, this opening sequence that is set to uh, Dr. Dre is the Watcher from The Chronic 2001. And the way that they do it, though, it, like uh, slowly but surely elements like tracks of the song start like being layered in one by one and it like kind of remixes the song in a way and uh it reminded me a lot of how they approach the sound design in bohemian rhapsody the queen biopic uh -huh. and yeah. uh each song like you would just hear the 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 uh, hi-hats and then all of a sudden the beat would start to come in and then you'd get the bass line and each part would build up until boom, it all just kind of comes together and like really just gets you into that song. And uh, yeah, it, the way that it builds up on the sound design of that opening sequence, um, it just totally reminded me of that. And then as I was like kind of thinking about that as a puzzle piece, I also started to think about, um, again, this being Michael B. Jordan's like directorial debut and uh, what he's trying to do with Creed, the character and the storyline in making it like a big showcase and just being a great fun time at the movies, which that's right. another thing that kind of, in a way I felt like connected it to Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, I know a lot of film critics and like a lot of like the film Twitter types, you know, didn't like it because of various flaws in the filmmaking, but like audiences loved it. They ate it yeah. up and, you know, they were out there just singing along with the queen songs and just having a good old time at the <laughs> movies. And I, I feel like Michael B. Jordan as a director is trying to give us a good old time at the movies. And so I felt like that was another kind of comparison to make there as well. That is a, a good one and a nice expansive, expansive bleep. I think yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to continue to be a little boring here, but, <laughs> okay. um, Another great one that I really liked in, and I think, again, seeing a character's transformation was Jake Gyllenhaal in Southpaw. Oh, and, sure. uh, and so the ruggedness, the, you know, the relationship, the losing it all, the, the, the what a fighter has to go through psychologically um, how, how they get pulled into the ring and they sometimes get pulled into fighting beyond uh, a window of time. Um, it, it's, or, or just into things that they don't need to get into, or that maybe they should, where there's that, what was really surprising was like in Southpaw, it's honey, you don't have to do this. We can be fine without this. Mm -hmm. But his wife, I was surprised to see her say, well, then go in there and then you're just going to have to fight it. Like yeah. you got money, you got life. Like you, 
And so I was surprised to see his wife kind of go there when so often the wife is usually, I want my husband intact. I don't want a vegetable, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And so I thought that was a little interesting that they chose to have her so easily stable that you're just going to have to go in there and fight him. Because yeah. in one part, she's saying, let's teach our daughter not to fight. Uh, yeah. We're fighting in school. We don't want her behaving poorly. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, then get in there and kick his butt, honey. You know, <laughs> rarely do you see that. So I thought that was an interesting twist. Yeah, absolutely. And and I feel like her character has been kind of anti the boxing, you know, like kind of yeah. throughout the other movies. So yeah, for her to just be like, no, you got to just do this um, was, was interesting. But but yeah, Southpaw of like the recent boxing films yeah. of the last 10 years or so, just really, yeah. Hall just does such a great job in that film. Um, so yeah, great one. And my, my final puzzle piece. So Michael B. Jordan has not been shy about mentioning uh, the anime uh, inspirations of uh, the fight scenes in this. And I'm not an anime guy, so I can't really speak to any of those specific uh, anime uh, films or series that I'm sure were a big influence. But I am a Street Fighter guy, so I was yeah. going to go with Street Fighter V, the video game, yeah. as a uh, yeah. puzzle piece here. Because, the, you know, I think that draws its same influences from those same animes that he's probably talking about, where uh, during these key moments in the fight scenes where everything just kind of blurs out, and we get a almost a little bit of a magical realism in a way of how uh, the the fights are, are being filmed, and everything just kind of blurring out, and it's just all that focus on the... the, the punches and the connection of fists to bodies and all the sweat and all that stuff. And, and so, uh, just the way that those fight scenes, especially the, the final one, uh, are, are filmed. Um, you, you get a lot of that inspiration. You see what he was talking about when he's talking about, uh, anime influence being here. I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, they, they kind of have this departure from the world and I think they do a really good job there. And that was, that's where you got to see um, his his directorial style starting to take off. Um, mm -hmm. You get to see him experimenting with a different palette um, and and playing around with things a little bit differently. Um, so yeah, I I, I can see that. Um, so my my last one, if the, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but this is just more. I thought of the, it's more of a, of a compilation of things, but I thought of the Thriller in Manila documentary uh, mm. with Muhammad Ali and just the reminder of the world behind the world, right? And the business underneath and the the selling of this, the, the brutality. And the what really made me think about that was when um, they were, trying to, you know, you, you'll get these fighters on both sides, understanding we need to sell the controversy. We need to have the right. escalation. We, when they're saying, boys, save it for the, save it for the way in. Right. You know, yeah. and, and how it's like we're watching wrestling and we're kind of in on it there. They are going to settle it in the ring, but the working it up to the good guy, the bad guy, the, everything from walking out of the locker room that we're all being hyped up and, and we're, we're going along for the ride and then we're going fight, fight, fight. And, and yeah. when you looked at behind the scenes of that documentary, you got to see Muhammad saying, well, I need to come up with a new rhyme because I need to get in his head and I need to have him upset. And, and I need Howard Cosell to cover me and, and you realize like, wow, there's this whole, they're really thinking through this. So when, when the guy gets his hand broken and then they're trying to put a new fight together and how are they going to do it? And then they call into the radio show and <laughs> challenges it. So you, so it made me think of those films, those docs that let you really get behind the scenes and you saw how Muhammad was. Um, more than just a fighter, he was a, a promoter in and of himself right, and right. how to game the system to get the, the, the numbers up. I mean, yeah. he was the best there ever was in everything, whether it's uh, MMA or, or 
any of the fighting now, they all go back to Muhammad's template of sure. that trash talking. And he was able to be the good guy and the bad guy at the same time. And um and and that's what I, I thought was really good about it. I, I love yeah. that as well. Yeah, that's a great one to finish it up on. And like I think that in a way it it uh transcends the film and goes to Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors as well in the way that they've promoted the film outside of the film itself. Yeah. And like they're really like playing up their their connection and uh, the work that they're doing together. I know they've already said they want to be like a De Niro and Pacino, like working together again yeah. in the future and all that stuff. Like they're really just playing to the crowd. And so yeah. uh, I think, I think that works on multiple levels. So I'll read down the list of everything we just talked about and we'll get into some closing thoughts here, but uh, sure. we talked about the dark Knight rises, raging bull, gladiator, ambulance, Cinderella, man, juice, devotion, Bohemian Rhapsody, Southpaw, street fighter five, and the thriller and manila documentary um yeah we get we got into a lot of interesting stuff here i think and of course you know kind of as he does the film jonathan majors kind of uh dominated the conversation a little uh but do you have any uh closing thoughts anything we didn't quite get to that you wanted to bring up here about creed 3 uh no i thought it was a, a really fun film i i love the the music i i thought they were true to the legacy of the rocky series i know there's been a lot of back and forth about Sylvester not really being featured as much. Yeah. And, you know, I get it. Um, but I thought they're keeping the franchise alive and I think they did a good job. Yeah, I, I agree. Like that was going to be the only other thing I was going to bring up too. Sylvester's, you know, not being in it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's disappointing that he's not there, but at the same time, you know, this is a different story to tell. It's just within this world. And yeah. I think uh, it more than, you know, makes the case for itself with this story. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, they did a great job with it. And uh, with that said, let's talk a little about Movie Pass here. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm just you know excited to have you here. And I, I think you know just to kind of to kick it off, we should you know talk briefly about what's changed from you know last time to this time. You know, like obviously the world has changed quite a bit yeah. between then and now. Um, but as far as like the actual service is concerned, I know like now there's going to be like the tiered pricing and uh, the credit system. If you want to talk a little bit about that and like how uh, how that is kind of changing the approach. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's there's the two aspects of it. So one previous version was kind of one plan uh for the whole universe it was just flat and that was uh you know uh you paid one fee and it didn't matter where you went everything was flat and equal um now it's on a credit system so you pick a plan that gets you a certain number of credits that will get you a range of movies that are um if you think of peak and off peak time so if mm. you want to go to more movies you go off peak times if you want to use your credits and go during you know friday night opening night of a film at seven o'clock then you're going to use more credits than if you go other times so what we from we did a listening tour with the studios and with the theater owners and to be honest that there was a feeling like we weren't going to add value if we were just trying to play the Friday, Saturday night slot, right? The, the, right? the industry doesn't need help there, but it's how do we drive traffic in off-peak times and how do we create value for them there? Because there's a lot of uh, available capacity and can we help play with pricing for people that offer them value? So that's, that's really, you know, we're focused on that aspect of the business. How do we put butts in seats during off-peak times? Um, how do we add value to the stakeholders? And then how do we kind of help bring a, you know, we see the innovation with filmmaking is extraordinary. I mean, it's, it's when you look at Avatar, you have to sit there and constantly remind yourself, this is not real. <laughs> right, um, sure. You have to say, this is not real. This is not real. Um, <laughs> and, and, and yet, the business models around movie going have largely not changed and evolved in almost 70, 80 years. It's still a pay-per-view model um, that dominates. And so we won't, we feel like there's a lot of software opportunities to kind of upgrade 
traction in new ways like subscription models or ad-based models. And that's what we want to bring to the table in this uh, space that we really love so much. So to that point, uh, when the first version of MoviePass was kind of coming to a close with the company that bought it and like you said, drove it off a cliff. Um, uh, the uh, the bugs that were in the system, like what are the kind of some of the steps that are being taken to make sure that things maybe go a little smoothly this time around? Yeah. Um, so the there's always challenges. That's why you put a big beta sticker on things. Um, now, one of the the change the big changes that we had the first one was actually a simpler system. So it was kind of no matter where you went, uh, it was in a sense, you were using one credit. You can go to the movie every single day. That's all. It didn't yeah. matter. Um, this time you're creating more of a marketplace that has these dynamic moving pieces. Um, and so that's a lot more challenging than anybody can walk up to any theater, just swipe the card and boom, it doesn't matter. Now what you're doing is saying, Hey, this loaf of bread right now is, five dollars but if you wait till tomorrow it might be two dollars right yeah and so the dynamics of those moving parts are a, a little trickier but so far things are working pretty smooth and we're pretty happy with it and it's just staying on top of a lot of excitement and accelerated growth and we're still a small little company and trying to run as fast as you can in front of that with you yeah. know the capital that you have so that's that's kind of normal for startups the best problem to have is people are banging on your door trying to <laughs> product and they're excited about it and they're you know overwhelming the system is better than crickets and you wish your doorbell was ringing absolutely yeah and you know we we see it. it's not just you know theaters we, we see the streaming companies having issues with you know keeping customers or keeping customers yeah. happy and not having to raise prices constantly and so uh it sounds like you know you're trying to, you know, do this multi-layered approach to kind of keep things smooth, uh, in a long yeah. term. So that's great. Um, you know, for you, I, I want to talk about you a little bit. Uh, yeah. you know, obviously we've just talked about a whole bunch of movies that you love, uh, in talking about Creed, but, uh, do you have a favorite theatrical experience? Like one thing that sticks out in your memory as like, I was a part of this amazing crowd and just had such a great time at the movies. You know, God, there's so many of them. I'll, I'll maybe name a few, but there was not a big crowd. I was a, a young kid and I saw Blade Runner um, for mm. the first time. And my dad took me to the movie and I wasn't old enough to drive. My dad took me to the movie and fell asleep in it and started snoring. <laughs> but that movie changed my life. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I got to work in this, you know, yeah. this is the medium for me. And, um, that was a very big pivotal point, but something like in recent times, like the power of seeing a movie in theaters, avatar is like an obvious one, but what one was really cool was going to see uh parasite oh, sure. with the crowd. And that thing was this sleeping hit and, and, and it was a really funny thing. So I live in the West village and I went over to IFC and I said, I'd like to buy a ticket to parasite. And they said, it's sold out. I said, okay, I'll go back home. I'll come around the corner. Let me get a ticket to the next show. The lady goes, no, all the rest of the shows for the evening are all sold out. And I was like, wait, something's happening here. So yeah. I opened the, I opened the, my app and there was one seat at AMC Times Square and I got the seat. I ran it. I was even like 10 or 15 minutes late because of credits and watching that film with an, a live audience. And what was beautiful was most of it was an Asian audience. Right. Mm. And, um, that was amazing. And because it was it was multiple films, it was like part of a slapstick comedy. Then it becomes a horror movie. Then it becomes yeah. a slasher film. Um, and and that's the kind of stuff that you just. I always tell people, cinema is the live concert of the movie industry, right? It's mm. it's, and there's nothing like going to that. You can say, oh, I I, you know, I bought 
every Prince album there was, but it's like, but did you ever see him play live? Right. right it's a different right. thing. And I think that's the difference in how cinema is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people, you know, like to complain about things with movie theaters, but it's like, it's such an experience to go regardless of if you have to deal with some guy with his phone on down there or if you have to deal with you know some you know sticky seats or whatever like whatever the issue is like it's still an experience whereas at home it's just you're just kind of watching a movie yeah you know? yeah exactly <laughs> so, yeah exactly. we're recording this you know right before the oscars are this weekend and i'm not going to ask for your prediction or what you're rooting for or anything like that but okay. i i am curious though what you think um you know it, it seems like our front runners uh, i would yeah. say it's kind of between these three movies uh everything everywhere all at once which is this scrappy little weird movie that's connected with this whole new generation you know yeah. um We've got All Quiet on the Western Front, which is uh, incredibly well-made, but very depressing uh, remake yeah. of, a, of a war movie and a streamer. Uh, yeah. And then I, I guess maybe they could just give the award to Top Gun Maverick for getting people back to the theaters. <laughs> um, those do seem to be like the front runners, and I'm just curious what you think about uh, those kind of being the big of-the-moment movies for this particular year's Oscar. Yeah, so my... my overall comments so i'll start with top gun you know the oscars are really good about breaking careers and you know going and doing things for the little little film that could um but there is something about the dedication the commitment to the craft that tom cruise has that you know i have such a respect for and um he he everything he's thinking about he's not thinking about it for a, a an experience smaller than you know a four story four or five story building right he's yeah. not he's not he's nothing he's doing is thinking like that and and i think we still i think we need more of that right and i think i think that it it's a reminder of what we do value and that television no matter what size it's on is still television and cinema is still a communal experience and a lot of people don't know this it's a true fact that movie going is the number one out of home entertainment activity in the world more Mm. than all sporting events combined and we beat it up because it's popular because we can now watch movies on our phone, but the reality is it's, it's, it's great. So I, I would like to see it be honored in some way. Um, but I do think everything everywhere is a freight train and is, uh, Mm going to wreck shop on, uh, (laughs) on Oscar Sunday. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, that's that's where my money's going. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it's been an interesting year for movies, and uh, 2023 is off to a great start. We, we're seeing like a lot of these like weird kind of B movies overperform. Yeah. Things like uh, <laughs> Cocaine Bear and Megan. Um, this weekend we've got 65, which looks absolutely bananas. But yes. uh, I don't know. I'm just wondering what your thoughts were on uh, just how weird some of these movies have been that have been doing well this year. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's the fun of cinema. It, you know, there there was a period of time it was like, will there ever be a time that there's not Marvel movies, right? Everything right, back right. to back to back to back. And I'm thrilled to see, so me and the uh, whole staff, so the team usually goes once or twice a month. The whole company, we all go to a movie together. Nice. Um, usually Thursday, uh, Thursday night when something's opening. And so we all went to see cocaine bear. That was a hilarious company outing. And if, yeah. if you want something to take your whole company to go see cocaine bear, oh, uh, yeah. we just did a live show on it, by the way, at the movie theater, like right after the movie ended, I had all my mics set up and we recorded oh on goodness. it. It was, it was a great time. <laughs> yeah, that, that was hilarious. And then Megan. Megan, I'm waiting for Megan the Broadway musical. That thing was hilarious. The <laughs> oh, music yeah. was great. Uh, the over-the-top one-liners. I mean, she is the new Chucky, right? She's oh, yeah. the new Chucky doll. And um, so I, I just think it's great. It feels like it feels like the 80s, the 80s and the early 90s again, that kind mm-hmm. of 
little weird things are kind of popping in there. Um, and I think that's the refreshing thing about cinema. You just, it'll shift on a dime. Uh, certain categories will take off when you see films like 80 for Brady. Um, mm, yeah. And, and I, and I think everything's really performing strongly. Um, kind of like what you talked about seeing black Panther perform as well as it did. And then outperform anything on the Disney plus platform for streaming. So it's also showing the power of allowing these windows to really sure. let them develop themselves. Don't cannibalize the windows because you can get multiple bites of the apple. So we're finally seeing that play out. Yeah, absolutely. I, you kind of just encompassed some of what my last question was going to be in there. So we'll let that one lie. And instead I'll close it out as I always close out with all my guests and ask, uh, what's a movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Um, I went to see Bill Nye's Living. Oh, sure. That was sweet. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that was really good. I, I don't even know if it's still in theaters right now, but that was one of those little quiet surprises, and it was a remake of the Japanese film. Um but it really was one of those in the, you know, I think I saw it early Saturday afternoon and, you know, you found yourself welling up in it and it really reminds you what's important about life. And when you know your time is up, you treat things very differently. And um, that was a really sweet film. And um, yeah. I would say definitely check it out. I'd spend most of my time at the movie theater. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, th this was great. Uh, tell the people where they can find uh, more info about signing up for MoviePass. Yeah. So you can uh, go to moviepass.com. You can check that out there. And if you're at all curious of the crazy backstory about everything, there, uh, I, I have a business memoir that just dropped called Black Founder. And uh, that book is in stores and there's an audio book and uh, it gets into all the nitty gritty about what happened. And Mark Wahlberg with uh, HBO are actually in the process of making a documentary about the whole thing. So that's coming later Ooh. this fall. So a lot coming in. Uh, so you can either find the book over at stacyspikes.com. You can sign up for MoviePass at MoviePass.com. There's a wait list right now, but we will have it open to the whole country by April or May. Awesome. Yeah, I actually got my card uh, right as I was leaving for Nashville. So I'm looking forward to using it now that I'm back in town and uh, getting back to some more movies. So uh, That's great. <laughs> well, uh, Stacey, thank you so much for doing this. I uh, hope you had a good time and maybe we'll be able to get you back again sometime. Anytime. This was great. A wonderful format. I love it. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Creed 3. Thanks to Stacy for joining me on that one. And uh, like I said, I'm very excited to use my movie pass and go out to some movies. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, if you're enjoying piecing it together, you know, we'd really appreciate your five-star ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Good Pods or wherever it is that you're listening. And of course, make sure you're subscribed while you're at it. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. You know, we recently did the Cocaine Bear Live show, and while I don't have anything to announce quite yet... We do have some more live shows in the works, so uh, keep an eye on those social medias to get the info when that happens, because that is going to be happening sometime soon. Uh, aside from that, we do have a Patreon, and I gotta plug that. 
The Produced by David Rosen Patreon has bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. I'm actually getting ready to uh, post a film score that I worked on last year uh, as like a standalone album that for now I'm not planning on releasing like officially on like you know the spotify and apple music and all that kind of stuff but it will be an exclusive on the patreon so that's going to be coming in like the next couple of weeks so lots of great stuff over there and whenever i finish up an episode of piecing it together but aren't posting it quite yet uh it goes on there early and also other bonus stuff and we're going to be recording another awesome movie year bonus episode for there soon so again patreon.com slash by david rosen lots of great stuff check it out and let's close this out with a piece of music like I always do. And a couple of years ago, I released a single called Destined for Greatness, which was from a uh, collaboration with this photographer, Alexis Koresma. And uh, I also did music for a couple of other projects of his, including one for a boxer. And uh, this track doesn't have a name, but uh, this was the music for that video. And I didn't release this one, but one of these days I might actually go back to it and uh, revise it, turn it into more of like a three-minute kind of song. Uh, but it's pretty sweet, so uh, I hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.